Are you awake? Are you truly aware of what's happening around you? Or do you hit the snooze button a little too much and slip back into a comfortable slumber where the realities of the world are muffled and distant? As we explore in this episode, the word woke, a word now weaponized, manipulated, distorted by those who see the truth as a threat. We must peel back the layers to its profound origins, its historical roots. The word woke doesn't begin with the hashtags of today's social media campaigns or the heated debates on cable news. No, to understand woke, we must travel back to 1938. Picture this scene. Blues musician Huddy Ledbetter, known as Leadbelly, guitar in hand, eyes ablaze with conviction. He's not just playing a song, he's telling a story, his voice resonating with a soulful depth that transcends time and space. It's 1938 and the sound of the Scottsboro Boys fill the air, a mournful melody telling the tale of a real life nightmare from 1931. Imagine nine black teenagers, fear in their eyes, shackled and condemned for a crime they did not commit, accused of raping two white women aboard a Southern Railroad freight train in northern Alabama. Haywood Patterson. Olin Montgomery, Clarence Norris, Willie Robertson, Andy Wright, Ozzie Powell, Eugene Williams, Charlie Weems, and Roy Wright know their names. It's not just a court case. It's a symbol, a manifestation of the racist injustice that penetrated the very fabric of American society. The public outcry, the media frenzy, the legal battles, all weaving together into a dark chapter in the nation's history. And this case didn't just inspire that song by Lead Belly. It sparked the movement. It's said to have inspired Pulitzer Prize winner Harper Lee, whose pen gave birth to Kill a Mockingbird. A novel that I'm sure most of you have read, almost every American has read in school. But we aren't talking about a work of fiction. We're talking about a raw, unfiltered truth, a wound in the very heart of our nation that still bleeds. We're talking about the black and marginalized histories that some would rather sweep under the rug, a lesson that must not be silenced or forgotten. Because to ignore it, to dismiss it, to obscure it with political maneuvering and hollow rhetoric is to betray not only those nine black teens, but every soul that's been crushed under the weight of racist injustice. We owe them and ourselves the honesty to look that history in the eye and declare we see you, we hear you, and we will not forget the irony of that word woke. A word born to awaken minds now enlisted to lull them back to sleep. Woke, once a beacon in the night calling us to awareness and justice has been hijacked, twisted, turned into a blinder against those very ideals. It's as if we are asked to forget that Lead Belly ever strummed his guitar and sang about being awake while those who champion slumber, those anti-woke politicians, don't want you learning about the very history of awakening. And these aren't mere footnotes in history, everyone. They are signposts on a journey, markers of a consciousness that sought to illuminate societal injustice. The song is a plea, a warning call to arms. Lead Belly says, stay woke, keep your eyes open. It's a cry that echoes through the ages, urging us to wake up, to see the world for what it is, to stay vigilant and never be complacent. 
Then I also imagine that towering figure, political activist Marcus Garvey, even farther back in 1923, adorned in his distinctive military regalia, complete with plumed hat and metal, standing tall as a symbol of pride and empowerment, his voice thundering across crowds, reaching millions through speeches and publications with a resonant call that was more than mere words. Wake up, Ethiopia. Wake up, Africa. Wake up, black people. It was a rallying cry for liberation, a bold declaration that reverberated around the world, inspiring a generation to strive for self-determination, dignity and respect. The problem is clear. The distortion and appropriation of history, the solution Though elusive is essential. And listen to this. It is a fearless, unwavering commitment to understanding, to empathy, to truth and to humanity. What do we value? The stakes are high, as writer George Orwell warned. The past was erased. The erasure was forgotten. The lie became the truth. And so we have to ask what happens to our ability to communicate, to understand one another when woke is manipulated and distorted and turned into a political baseball bat, a tool to dismiss conversations on race and gender and injustice and slavery and genocide. The point is, it's not just the word woke that's at stake. It's the framing of history, the telling of our collective story. Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Humanity Archive podcast. I am your gracious host, Jermaine Fowler. And today I have a story from history that you've probably never heard before. But even if you have, you've never heard it in the way that I'm going to tell it. This episode is titled Woke History. Now let's get into it. No event happens in a vacuum. Context matters. And if you don't know what led to an event, you won't know why it's happening and how it affects you and your life. The Humanity Archives brings you the full story, the story that isn't fully captured in the glossy, superficial stuff you find on the History Channel or Discovery or CNN. And as I've said before, I like those shows, too, but I also like to go deeper. And so then I am asking you to become a financial supporter of the Humanity Archive right now so I can continue sharing not just what happened, but why. And your financial support of just $2 a month will make a difference. It'll help keep the lights on. It'll help me to be able to continue producing this show. But you got to make a move right now. And you can do that by pausing the show and going over to patreon.com backslash the Humanity Archive. Again, that's patreon.com backslash the humanity archive or find the link in the show notes and this podcast is also brought to you by my debut history book 
the Humanity Archive, recovering the soul of black history from a whitewashed American myth. You can also search that right now on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you get your books and also pick it up in stores at your local bookstore or request it. Get the book today. In 2020, the political battleground shifted and the new trenches were dug within the classrooms and the boardrooms and the corridors of power. The flag bearer of this modern anti-woke movement was none other than Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a figure who, like a skilled juggler, balances between the legacy of President Donald Trump and centuries of carefully constructed narratives that have sought to paint history with broad white strokes monumentalizing America's achievements while erasing the scars and stains. Picture DeSantis, voice resonant with authority, standing at a platform saying, quote, we fight the woke in schools. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where the woke goes to die, unquote. This is not a mere political rally cry. It is a manifesto, a mission statement. It's a continuation of an age old battle where truth becomes the first casualty and history is reshaped, rewritten, redefined. The movement gets national attention. Legislation is crafted, laws designed to sanitize and bleach the pages of history books, forbidding discussions that might cause, quote, anguish or, quote, psychological distress to children over the actions of their race against another. Think about that for a minute. A history so fearful of its own reflection that throws away the mirror altogether. Then in the midst of this comes the Internet undefeated. Fighting back in memes, as the Internet likes to do, resonating with irony images of a young Ruby Bridges juxtaposed with biting captions saying, quote, if a six year old Ruby Bridges was old enough to experience racism, second graders are old enough to learn her story, unquote. And so it's here that we find ourselves in a landscape where the battles of yesterday bleed into the conflicts of today, where the word woke, as we've been talking about already, is a clarion call. But now it's a curse, a symbol of enlightenment and a target of suppression. Ron DeSantis, Florida's governor, is more than a politician. He's a symbol for those who yearn for an America that no longer exists. An America of leave it to beaver where racism flourished and the complexities of the modern world were somebody else's problem. His fight against the woke isn't just about preserving history. It's about preserving ignorance. It's a nostalgic fantasy for an era that only ever existed for a privileged few and a world demanding progress and accountability. DeSantis's politics are a desperate grasp at a past that's slipping away and his followers are the most afraid of what comes next. Now, there's more to this story. Also in 2023, Florida students must learn that enslaved people develop skills that could be applied for their personal benefit. The past is presented as a contorted dance performed around the code fact of slavery. It's not enough to tell the history as it was. It has to be sculpted. It has to be chiseled into a more palatable form. They're telling us with a straight face, mind you, that being in chains was somehow a job training program. The governor's office with its finely tuned instruments of propaganda might as well argue that the shackles were not constraints, but opportunities. Imagine the history books filled with tales of entrepreneurial slaves sharpening their skills on the plantation. 
It's history turned into satires. What it is, a reality turned into a macabre joke. But who's laughing? Not the students fed this sham, not the educators forced to twist history into a farce. This rewriting of history doesn't just bend the truth, but breaks it, stomps on it, sets it on fire. It's the vision of a whitewashed America scrubbed clean of its sin, smiling innocence. But the shadows in the story deepen, the irony thickens even more. The plot thickens. Enter Democratic Florida State Representative Kim Daniels, a character that might be pulled from the pages of some dystopian novel. A member of the task force on African-American history in Florida, she was appointed by DeSantis himself. Her credentials, well, pulled a quote from 2018 that rings like a parody of ignorance. She said, quote, I thank God for slavery. If it wasn't for slavery, I might be somewhere in Africa worshiping a tree, unquote. Daniel's words don't just misrepresent the past. They mutilate it, turning the pain and suffering of enslaved people into a perverse Thanksgiving. It's a reduction of history to a caricature. A conversion of human suffering into sound bites. The old saying in the black community warns all skin folk and kinfolk and never has it rung truer in this case. Here we have a black woman appointed to a task force meant to educate about black history, not just sanitizing the horrors of slavery, but painting them with a brush dipped in gratitude. How do you tell history like this? How do you look into the eyes of children and feed them a fairy tale where shackles are reimagined as stepping stones, where pain is praised, where the very roots of an ancestral tragedy are twisted into a narrative of personal advancement? The DeSantis administration has turned this into an art form, a masterstroke of manipulation. In the classroom, the teacher must navigate a minefield of misinformation where each step threatens to explode the very fabric of historical understanding. The tragedy here is not just the falsification, but in the blatant acceptance of this perversion. Students aren't really just being misled either. They are being robbed of the ability to critically think and to understand their own history and to see the connections between past and present to recognize the subtleties and complexities that make history a living, breathing entity. Welcome to a world, everyone, where the tempest brews in the chambers of power across America's heartland and the South, the storm of ideology and historical amnesia. You see, within the span of a few breathless months, Republican lawmakers and nearly half the states pin measures to silence the teaching of ideas that might shake the foundation of an all too rosy past. The targets, racial equity, white privilege, systemic racism, the guys, critical race theory, Critical race theory being a complex decades old analysis, positing that racism's tendrils still coil around the very structures of American society. It's a subject for scholarly debate. Conversations being held in ivory towers of graduate schools, yet somehow it's been thrust into the spotlight, turned into a boogeyman and enemy at the gates of K through 12 education. Those leading the legislative charge deem such teaching divisive and racist. They cast a net so wide that anything hinting at racism or diversity might be ensnared. But ask the experts and they'll tell you there's little evidence of critical race theory's presence in public schools. The term has just become a catch all. Eighteen states have banned critical race theory, Alabama to Virginia, the old guard of the Confederacy mixing with a spread across the Midwest. But make no mistake, these are just the tip of the iceberg, the visible manifestation of an undercurrent that runs deep and cold. 
Look further and you'll find more states, nine to be exact, where bills are snaking their way through legislators, where whispers of policy changes echo in the halls, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana and beyond. A geographic spread that might raise an eyebrow or two. How did we arrive at this junction where historical inquiry is treated with suspicion, where education faces the cold blade of censorship? It's a dance of avoidance, a ballet of denial and the haste to wrap our history in a flag of simplicity. We risk suffocating the complexity, the pain, the resilience that gives it life. And now we enter the final act of this drama. Picture this scene. It's not just Florida. Trust and believe that. But back in Florida, in Brevard County, Florida, in 2021, three women, current or former school board members, launch a group initially focused on mask mandates and COVID-19 restrictions. Yet the movement's compass soon points in another direction. Its mission swells, grows legs and teeth. The battlefield changes, but the war is the same. A fight for the, quote, survival of America, unquote, a battle to arm parents with the rights to shape education and grow it does. And in two and a half blinks of an eye. Then a couple of years, Moms for Liberty expands its dominion to 285 chapters, rallying a force of over 100,000 members across 45 states some of which whose whole job is to go through the books of libraries, find out which ones they feel should be banned. Their voices are heard, their endorsed candidates elected, their status elevated to that of a major player in the war against the specter of woke instruction. And they are but one of several groups like this Working behind the scenes, it's but a modern incarnation of a recurring theme in American history. Think back to the days of the Cold War where mother groups and organizations sprang up under the guise of anti-communism, where these mother groups were at the forefront of keeping segregation and Jim Crow alive. The family unit, they said, was under siege. The children's minds, the battleground education became the theater of ideological warfare. The method is the same today, only the enemy has shifted. Yesterday's red scares, today's woke panic. And like clockwork, the groups rise, the fervor builds, and the crusade marches on. So the next time you hear about a school board election, a textbook ban, a classroom controversy, a Ron DeSantis figure on TV screaming about woke, don't merely glance at those figureheads. Look deeper, peer into the shadows, and you're going to find the puppet masters, the Groups behind the curtain orchestrating a battle that's as old as the nation itself. The tangled web we weave when we dress up racism in the fineries of parental rights and conservative values. It's a dance we've seen before. A masquerade ball where the ugly face of white supremacy grins behind a well-crafted mask. What's it all about? This frenzied waltz of legislation, this battle to stifle the teaching of real truthful history. It's about fear, dear listener, and control. The figures leading this charge may change their names and their rallying cries, but the song is the same. They fear an educated populace, minds unshackled by the constraints of a narrow whitewashed narrative. They fear voices rising in unison to question, to challenge, to unmask the prejudice that still festers in our society. Why does this matter to you? Why does this matter to us? Because history isn't just ink on a page. It's the very soul of our identity. It's who we are. 
and who we might yet become. We allow these so-called defenders of liberty to dictate what our children learn. We relinquish our ability to think critically, to see through the fog of misinformation. We must rally not with swords and shields, but with the might of intellect and the courage to demand a true and unbiased education. Create communities that value diversity and empathy and humanity and the relentless pursuit of truth. For this is not just a fight over textbooks. It's a fight over the very essence of democracy, power to the people over the core values that should unite rather than divide us. So let's ask ourselves that question. Who are we if not the sum of our histories, our triumphs, our failures, our crimes and our progresses? And as we brace ourselves against these currents of misdirection and orchestrated ignorance, we must heed the call of where we began. Think back, everyone, to lead Belly's guitar, a strumming echo in the wind, a reminder to stay woke. It's more than a slogan. It's a battle cry. It's an insistence to awaken and recognize the world as it is. A collage of those triumphs and failures and crimes and progresses. What are we, if not the custodians of our history? Will we let it be rewritten by those who would rather we slumber I know I won't. Stay woke indeed, everyone. And that is our show today. Remember, remember, remember that the Humanity Archive connects you to the people and their stories you can't get anywhere else in a form that's going to fit your busy life. And when you listen to this show, the Humanity Archive, you are doing something for yourself, for your learning, you're expanding your understanding, connecting to a shared history. And when you give $2 a month, you can be certain that you're making a difference. So support the Humanity Archive because I know you don't want to know just what happened, but why it happened, how we got here, and this will have an impact on your life and the world. So head over to patreon.com backslash the Humanity Archive. Again, that's patreon.com backslash the Humanity Archive or find the link in the show notes. And also don't forget to pick up my book, The Humanity Archive, Recovering the Soul of Black History from a Whitewashed American Myth. Thank you so much for tuning in, enjoying researching these episodes. And it's really challenged me and my own thinking and my own understanding. And I hope that it challenges yours and inspires you and upsets you and unseats you and unhouses you and makes you have all those feels so that we can continue to strive toward humanity and justice and truth. And that is all for me, everyone. I'll see you next time. <laughs>